What's up? It's your girl, Kina Zontel, and this is Citizen the Pod. Today's episode is part two of my series, The Real Effects of Incarceration. Where does change start? I sit down with my cousin, Atu Clyburn, as we discuss his 20 plus year battle with the criminal justice system. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. What's up? It's your girl, Kina Zantel, and we have a special episode of Citizen the Pod today. Um, Today, I'm joined with my family, my cousin, um, Mr. Atu Clyburn. He is stepping out and stepping into a space that allows him to advocate for criminal justice reform. And it comes from a place of personal experience. So I'm excited I've got him to come on the show again um, to talk to us just about what he experienced and how we can make some changes moving forward. I've mentioned in the past that like many people in this country, I have you know, experienced the just family trauma that occurs when one of your loved ones is away and away from you for a long time. So, you know, this might be a little emotional, but I appreciate him just stepping out and stepping into this new place. And how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm yeah. Good, definitely. Yeah. So let's kind of just jump into the conversation. I sent him over some questions so he can be prepared. So just to kind of talk about this. So, you know, when was the first time you had an interaction with the police that you remember? Well, the first time I had a reaction with the police, I think is typical in most poor communities. It's, mm-hmm. it's not even really criminal, but it's called a pen's petition. When you are a juvenile and the school can put it in or parents can put it in. Mm-hmm. And that's how I first got introduced to the criminal justice system. And, and like I said, it, it tracks young poor kids away and it actually hurts you later on in life once you be considered a juvenile delinquent or an adult. Mm-hmm. So my first interaction was during school truancy and mm. class clown behavior. So mm-hmm. that's where my first introduction, to, you know, to the criminal justice, but they don't call it, it's called PEDS. Person in need of supervision. Mm. But eventually we'll get into that. Like I said, that's an important concept that I would like a lot of mothers to understand that you actually pushing kids into the criminal justice system mm-hmm. through family court when things happen. And I understand it was bad kids, kid. I swear I was I was a bad kid. Mm-hmm. You know, but that is a, a, a concept and aspect of the criminal justice. I, I think a lot of people in our community don't understand it and quite understand how that affects the mm-hmm. child later on in life. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot more questions, so mm-hmm. we'll move on from there because, yeah, this, this is a deep topic. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And I think that's that right. you touched on something that people have heard the trigger phrase it, the trigger phrase for, and that's the school-to-prison pipeline. Yes, we know that usually when we're dealing with, especially young men of color, depending on who the teachers are, what the community looks like, we, ha- we are seeing young men who don't know how to express themselves or their emotions going to classrooms with people who don't know how to understand how they're expressing themselves or may not want to consider what things are happening outside of the classroom that make that affect children and how they act when they're out of that environment 
because when you're no longer at home under a stressful condition, you may come to school, feel a little bit more comfortable, be a little bit more stress-free, and then feel as if you could just express yourself a little bit more. So we've talked about the fact that those behaviors happen all the time, and that's something that's real, and clearly, you know, this is something that has affected, affected me and my family. So you talked about that first experience and how, you know, how did that make you feel as a young man being put in the PENS program or going through the process of it and being traumatized by like experiences in the court? Like, I, I don't, I'm, I couldn't imagine being a young person showing up in front of a judge. Uh, not even 18 years old. Exactly, and, and that's what I, I should have stressed earlier when I was saying that the first time that happened at the age 13. Mm. And so that's typical. It's typical in schools, and that's what happened. Like, whenever you send a, a child to alternative schools, stuff like that, what mm -hmm. happens is they create a record, and it goes into family court and it's pens. It's, it's either, like I said, if your child ever went to alternative schools right here in Buffalo, mm -hmm. they have what it calls a pens petition, and it affects it. And, like, facing a judge is, like, is the criminal justice system, mm -hmm. even with that fancy no, because it's actually used in the criminal courts when you get older. Right. And, oh, go ahead. No, no, go <laughs> So what I was saying was yeah, my experience and the traumatizes is just like, so you take a kid out of community, you understand that this is prison. East Ferry has changed over the years since, because I went back then in the 90s, where it was really rough, where Master Park was even closed in the 90s, mm -hmm. how rough they was treating juveniles. Mm -hmm. But a, that's where you were sent, even as a pens or a juvenile delinquent, those are two distinctions. And it is traumatizing. You separated from your family for minor things. Like I said, skipping school, being kicked out of school, mm. a fighting school, and you're introduced to the criminal justice system. And please, I, Tina, I will come back because these are important. No, questions. don't just keep I going. I won't get touch on them all, but yeah. the time is restriction. But Kenny is important. This is really important. Also, I can't lie that all through school that I, I was a what you call a gifted student. And what I found in the educational system, what they call is at risk and at promise student. I was both simultaneous. At promise mean intelligent, school wise. Right. Mm -hmm. At risk means we can all. Yeah, some behavior, something, yeah. yeah. So it kept me in school for a while because my problem, my problem behavior, I wasn't violent. I was a class clown. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. I do anything for laughs, impress the girls. Us against the teacher, that type of attitude. Right. Nothing criminal. Mm -hmm. but this is how I got introduced to the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. So they kept me in schools. Now, this is so deep that, you know, like, if an average 12 or 13-year-old go out and steal a car, mm -hmm. he'll go to East Ferry, he'll probably get put in a group home, mm -hmm. or a foster home, or a detention home, depending on his designation, pens or juvenile delinquent. I ground around in school. I was introduced as a pens. I went to a foster home. Mm. Introduced to a, a, a white family right out in East Aurora. And that's where I found out what they call about tracking in the system. Mm. I was, I excelled out there. Very, never excelled other than when I moved down south in school because down south, the curriculum, education is totally different from ours. Mm -hmm. Much better, for, I'm talking about this is in the 80s. I don't know about the 2000s now. Mm -hmm. But down south, but so when I went out to Aurora, the schools were so different. The family actually wanted to adopt me. I wanted to, but that went mean giving up my Your family custody, and it was traumatizing. And when I brought it to my mother, I seen it. But Ken is deep. When my mother looked, and it was just like. It's crazy our mother is anything for a child. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, but the hurt, and now that I'm old, I realize mm. the depth of that conversation. Right. You know, and, and the love of a mother to willing to do this after thinking because... Maybe they the can't hood, give, yeah. It sucks us. 
It sucks kids dry. Kids that make it out the hood are the resilient ones. Those little kids that's next door just shooting at basketball instead of waiting up, getting up, putting on some pants and putting whatever it is, blocks, rocks, clocks, listen, whatever it is, hitting the block this morning or came in from last night to sleep right now. Those are resilient kids. They, they're they making it. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that they're not out there doing it because that's where the majority of our kids is at right now. Mm. And if they're not out there, they glorify it, figuring a way how to get out there. Right. And this is what parents need to understand. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm off topic. No, no. I th- it's that's what I said. These yes. questions is so deep. Keenan, for real, you can do months of research on each question. Yes. Because these questions need you to get on move. <laughs> but, but seriously, because to me, an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. And to mm. me, the cure is these kids right now. And it's hard for me to say this as a person coming off the streets, been in the streets. Mm-hmm. But, Keena, sometimes you got to leave kids in paths they chose, and I was one of them kids. Mm. You wasn't going to... I had to go through what I went through mm. to be where I'm at today. And so I say that the, the parents and the teachers in the school system that, yeah, it's, it's a reason why sometimes the system is set up that way, but focus on those kids right there. Let's not waste the energy on that little kid on the block if he's constantly turning that energy away because you could be taking that same energy and reaching four or five kids. Interesting. Turned away from that. Yeah. That's there. And that's, I think, is the problem. Mm, mm. We spend too much time looking at the kids that's already, here's these words again, at risk instead of the kids that's at promise. Mm. And, and I, I think that was the problem because, like I said, I, I've been in both worlds. I had both people hanging on to me. But the problem is when you black and young and when they, when you get a criminal justice, the first thing they look at is your, your, your school. It's when you're young. They say, okay, he's not an adult, so what did he do in life? What does school record look like? Pins. And they right. got school records. Mm-hmm. At risk, at promise. And they see all this. Mm-hmm. And that would introduce you to the criminal justice system. Mm. And that's the difference between black kids, brown kids, minority kids, as opposed to white kids where they introduced to the criminal justice at a young age. Like the young kid that got probation for killing his friend in this fire over here. Mm. That haunts me right over here. And Niagara Falls, a couple years ago, probation. So, if I was a black kid, Keenan, believe me, right now, he'd be doing probably about life or at least 10, 12 years past juvenile delinquency in, in, in New York State Department of Corrections opposed to juvenile system, please, mm. trust me. So I mean, a, a word, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about, let's get back to talking about you some. So you spent a significant time, um, a significant part of your life away from, away from home. What was the, when you were arrested on the charge that took you away as a young person, can you, you know, just kind of explain how old you are? You don't have to get into any mm. details you don't want to, but just kind of explain that situation because you spent a long time right. away from the family and it was something that you know I didn't it wasn't real to me until I got older my mom was able to until I went to college I really didn't understand what was going on um, but when I went to college started understanding that we do have issues here and started talking to the family it was like it was just hard for me to be as smart as I am but but not be able to be helpful. And I think that's where um, our, you know, that's where a lot of black families have it, are, you know, have a really hard time with addressing. We want to help. We want to be there. We we want to do everything we can, but there are so many things that keep us from taking those leaps. So just talk about that a little. Another deep question. Like I said, we <laughs> yeah. First of all, family support is tantamount, is the word I'm looking for, to any type of rehabilitation to anybody that been through the criminal justice system. Let's not play games. Every last one of us in our communities knows somebody on probation, parole, mm-hmm. getting locked up. But that's the important, tangible part. And, and like you said, 
and again, back to the, the basis of the question. Yeah, I, and like I said, from a parents' petition, I went to a juvenile delinquency. At the age of 14, no, age of 15, I was designated juvenile delinquency. And at that time, I believe I was set up for a crime. And I went away at the t- age of 15. I'm 43 now. I'm starting to forget my age. Mm-hmm. That's what prison do to you. That's a good thing. Yeah. You still think you're in your 20s. Yeah. So I'm actually 43. I maxed out from 15 a year and a half ago. So I've been under the Department of Corrections for the last 26, 27 years. Mm. I actually did 17 years straight from 15 to 31. And it started in a juvenile because I wasn't old enough. As soon as I turned 16, they threw me in Erie County Correctional Old Facility. Put me on a young man's block, the young man block. I was wild on any put me at the dose and just locked me in myself for 23 hours a day. When the old timers went in, that was over. Anybody was 21 and over. When they went in, they let me out for hours. So that's what I, I emphasize most. And that's the most traumatizing experience. And I, I don't mean to be soft or underplay it, the mental health issue, but that, that is another factor there that, that what happens when you take a child and just recently last 10 years the United Nations pulled the U.S. on it you touched on that mm-hmm. you, you do a lot of work that a lot of people are not aware of and I appreciate it but yeah you touched on that about uh, solitary confinement mm-hmm. for juveniles but yeah I've been yeah so what happens is now you, you it, it, what, what solitary confinement punishment really is is a sensory deprivation mm. excuse me and that's that's the real punishment right they put Put you in a little cell where, in some cells, excuse me, Kim, but you can actually do like this. This is how I take and find it, wall to wall. Toilet, sink, bed. Boom. So I used to get in the habit of just taking a little towel, put it over the toilet. I'm, I'm, just, I'm sorry, I'm getting, but, but that is the track. So you go back into life and all you have is this. And it, it is really traumatic. You know, I, 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 I had suicide attempts, to be honest with you. Mm. I don't. I mean, because yeah, it, it plays on your psyche, especially just the. So you spent from 15 to in your 20s in solitary confinement. Yeah, approximately about like 19, because what happened was, they got a correctional facility upstate, particularly for juvenile. It used to be mm-hmm. called Kasaki. It used to be a mob, but it's Kasaki now. Mm-hmm. But so what happens if you're in an all adolescent facility? Anybody that's in, introduced from a juvenile delinquent to criminal department 16 to 21 or 16 to 18, you're separated from adults. So you got facilities for like 21 and out under, but it's only really from 21 to 16 or 18, depending on where you at. And um, yeah, so I was there and I wowed out when I get around, you know, I was a kid, I get around people. So they, once again, threw me with the adults, but you can't really keep me at the adults. A funny story to go off track was like, I was in Attica. I was the youngest person at the time in New York State in Attica. I was 17. I was in there with killers and murderers, but couldn't buy cigarettes. Mm. And when I look back at it now, that's the irony in our society. Mm. Yeah, I was old enough and I couldn't buy cigarettes. Right. You weren't old enough to vote. You weren't old enough to buy cigarettes, but you were in Attica with murderers. I'm old enough to send me to Attica with murderers, people that's never going home. And I'm old enough to also go to war and die. Right. But I'm not old enough to buy cigarettes to personally kill myself. But that's a different topic. Right. Yeah, but that's the irony in our society. So, so I'm gonna jump because we're yeah, gonna please, consider please. we're gonna continue this conversation because there are parts of his story that I want to delve deeper yeah, into. Um, but on a positive note, because I want to, I'm gonna close today's conversation on a positive note. Now that you're home and you look back at your experience through the criminal justice system, 
what can you tell young men who are rejecting the, the, the people that are trying to talk to them, the people who are trying to tell them to take another course? What would you tell a young man, or what would you tell someone who's trying to talk to that young man? How, how should they approach trying to get them to change the direction that their life is going into? Deep question. Multifaceted, many factors, but I think the one that stand out the most is that a lot of people don't understand that our kids, through culture, through music, through language, through society, through the media, it's constantly perpetuated that we the have-nots and we love dying. Mm. Bottom line, we infatuated with dying. Our rap music is about money, it's about dying. So we on the streets, when you you at that young age, you believe you're invincible. You believe mm. that you can get out on the streets, you can do this, I can be the next Bach, I can be the next Mike, I can be the next students, I can be the next uh, 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 Ricky Rawls. I can, so we're infatuated, we're thrilled, and this is what's being pushed at us. Pushed at us. perpetuated. Mm -hmm. So these are the kids, understand that you're talking to basically zombies out there. Mm. Because if you're not talking their language, the, 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 the Air Ones, the Nikes, the Jays, this, mm -hmm. is, is a foreign language to them. Mm. And, and, and you, it, but what it is, is the people that love them the most is the people that's able to grab them. Because a person on the street that really don't know about it, I can't grab that young dude much as I want to on the street corner. My man came home and died like that. I seen him two, uh, two days before he died. Snatched the kid up, fighting, came back. Young shorty came up while he was sitting in the car. He was talking to young kid. Shot the kid and shot him. Kid lived, but he died. He just broke the fight up. Came on trial, but that's what the parents, the people that love him, the people that, the old times, the OGs. That's Don't give what up. It is. Don't give up yeah, on Yeah, the ones that know the route, the, you gotta say that, look, I know that. It's, it's more to life than that. Mm -hmm. It's more than life than the fruit belt. Mm -hmm. It's more than life than being able to go from Goodyear to Lackawanna. Mm. It's more than life than Buffalo. It's more than life than going to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. it, it's a whole, you have to say that, it's more than just what we're used to. And that's what it is. We love, in fact, dying and we thrilled with that because we got nothing to live for. Mm. So we, in fact, in love the fact of dying. Mm. We, if you think about it, Kina, if you look at our, our generations from yours, mine, and on back, we honor more the dead than the living. Mm. We talk more about the dead rappers to do this, the our dead family than the people that's alive. Like, Ken, you alive. Mm -hmm. You can create effect now because you're breathing. Right. You know, we look towards, like I said, because we honor that. Mm -hmm. And what happens is it, it, you become so extreme, we, we become like to the point where you extreme where you get stagnated, where you just mourning instead of being active mm -hmm. in everyday life. And that's what I think it is. For the people that love a person, you know the kids out there. Grab them, talk to them, hold them. For a man in their life, man, man, yeah, if you gotta yoke him up, man, if he'll listen to you, if he got respect for you, man. Mm -hmm. That's what you, it's just talk, get to him, get through to him, grab to him. Well, I appreciate my cousin starting this really real and candid conversation with me. I did get a little emotional talking about this because, and there, there's, like you said, there's so many layers and levels to this. We didn't get into his case, his, you know, making appeals, the, you know, process of going through parole and super, you know, outside supervision and how you end up, you know, go, going back and forth to prison, the effect it has on the family, the cost of going to prison on your family. So we're going to consider this conversation. I'm so grateful that he's even willing to have this conversation with me because this is still something that is affecting him. So thank you. I love you thank so much. You. We're going to keep this we're going to keep this conversation going. 
again, citizens, we have work to do. It's not over. Let's continue to be, you know, continue to love our families and do the work, do the hard work. This was Citizen the Pod. What's up, citizens, voters, patriots? It's your girl, Kina Zantel. And if you want to know more about me and the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kina Zantel. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kina Zantel. And hit subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to the show on.